0: Here to hear my conversation with Will Aldrich. We talked all things Canada, including how to think about approaching the Canadian market, what his views are on resources, and how he thinks about investing in large, mid and small cap companies. I hope you enjoy. This podcast is for informational purposes only. Information relating to investment approaches or individual investments should not be construed as advice or endorsement. Listeners should seek professional advice for their situation. Welcome to the McKinsey Investments Podcast. My name is Matthew Schnurr and I'm delighted to be here with Will Aldrich. Will leads our Canadian equity mandate. Will, welcome to the podcast.
1: Thanks a lot, Matt. Glad to be here.
0: Uh, I'm glad you're here as well, particularly timely. Uh, the more and more that I read about Canada in the press, uh, it seems like Canada is a bullish place for many forecasters. Uh, before we get into your views on Canada specifically, I'd love to have a start the conversation with how you approach investing in general.
1: Yeah, and you certainly can't talk about how, how we and my team approach investing without talking about Canada. We're 100% focused on Canada, so as you know, Matt, Canada is a somewhat unique environment to try to find investments in the global sure. sort of landscape. Um, there's a couple of markets that are similar to Canada, but really it's a it's a pretty unique place. Um, I've spent all my career in Canada looking at Canadian names, meeting with Canadian management teams. So, um, and the same can be said for my team. So, you know, we're bringing a lot of experience into that. Uh, trying to find ideas in Canada and and approaching it with that sort of Canadian lens, you know, just thinking about the resource-heavy sort of exposure in the TSX. Obviously, financials a big weight as well. And uh, what that means, really, as a result, is is you need to th- think about things a little bit differently. Um, you need to take commodities and sort of forecasting into consideration. Um, but Canada's a, a a pretty unique place, and, and we can talk about the opportunity in Canada. Um, how it looks today, you know, people tend to think about valuation and sort of put that lens on things. Canada will always look statistically a little bit cheaper than a place like the US. We can get into that a little bit. Um but yeah, it's uh it's an interesting dynamic in Canada. So certainly we need to we need to think about what it means to try to come up with ideas. And it's a pretty small landscape as well. So
0: right. yeah,
1: we uh we build a diversified portfolio and we just try to think about where the best opportunities lie in each sector. Um, but some of those sectors can be pretty skinny, as you know.
0: Yeah, of course. Yeah. Canada, very narrow market dominated by resources and financials, as you've Mm -hmm. pointed out. Um, Often, uh, investors describe themselves somewhere on the continuum from value to growth. Uh, Those words can be a little bit ambiguous, uh, for sure, and and potentially uh, in need of refinement, particularly with a market like Canada. Where would you put yourself on that continuum? And how do you think about it when approaching the Canadian markets?
1: Yeah, yeah. You know, my training really... um, was with a value sort of bias uh, towards it. So when I came into the into the business, onto the buy side, I started working with a deep value investor, Bob Tattersall, who you will have worked with in the past as well, Matt. Sure. Yes. Um, you know, and Bob very much deep value, very focused on price to book. Um, and even just in my, you know, in my sort of innate sense, in my, you know, my soul and my spirit, I've always felt an attraction to that, an attraction to valuation generally. That's how I trained myself as well before starting working with uh, with Bob. You know, all my reading was really based around valuation, things like Buffett and, right. um, you know, even Peter Lynch on the growth side, but still very much valuation focused. So, uh, you know, it's easy sometimes for us to bucket investors on the value or the growth spectrum, but. Really, for us, I think what we think more about is valuation in general, um, and trying to find statistically attractive opportunities relative to uh, you know to what the market is telling us the, sh- the share should be worth. So, you know, we're, we're certainly not afraid to own what you call growthier type names. Um, they may trade at higher multiples, but really for us, it's more about valuation than than value or growth. Um, but because we have such a focus on valuation, what that tends to lead to is our portfolio does tend to look a little bit cheaper than the benchmark. Um, right. we're, we're just so focused on it that uh, that's where we want to put the capital. We want to put the capital to where we see the best returns to intrinsic value. Um, and we're not chasing momentum. We're not chasing names that uh, you know are showing higher growth, sort of continually higher growth and accelerating growth. Those aren't typically the names that we're attracted to. It, it, it certainly can make it a bit challenging in markets like this where you're seeing this migration towards quality and, and the valuation Dynamics around those types of names tend to be um, a little bit higher, but, uh, but yeah, it's, it's, you know, so on the spectrum, absolutely tilted towards value. And I think that's probably the safest and easiest way to, to think about how we manage the portfolios is kind of a value tilt to our, our perspective, what we bring to the table.
0: That's great. Um, maybe we can move now into sort of the present time in Canada. Uh, as I mentioned at the start, many forecasters are, are relatively bullish on Canada after being yeah. fairly bearish on uh, the nation for the past decade or so. Um, do you share their optimism? And and I guess to tie in your most recent comment about more quality bent, um, I think that many people don't think of Canada as a particularly high quality market. So what are you doing right now to Counter that, or, or to incorporate that in your portfolio.
1: Yeah, yeah. um You know, I think why why Canada is working today is certainly more of a resource exposure uh, than anything sure. else. So obviously, energy being a, a pretty high weight, not as high as it once was. I mean, we were north of a third exposure to energy in the TSX at, at its high. Um, now we're half that, um, but we're coming off the bottom as well. So we we got as low as ten percent and as high as a third and now we're sort of 70 percent in energy. But yeah, that, that's the big reason why Canada's working today. Obviously the the unfortunate war in, in U- Ukraine there is having a big impact on uh, on commodities generally. So even prior to that though, I mean we we're seeing this shift towards value and then Canada was outperforming because of that, that bias as well, sort of that uh, that more value tilted. Again, financials was really driving things towards the beginning of the year. So it all really comes back to what we are talking about at the outset, really the mix. You know, what we're talking about in Canada is the mix. And obviously technology being extremely weak here year to date as well, not much exposure to technology um, and certainly much less so today with Shopify coming off as hard as it has. Right. Um, so yeah, it, you know, I think it does come down to the mix. Um, And I I, I sort of stray and and pull back from talking collectively about a a market, you know, and just saying, oh, Canada's Canada's the better place to be than the U.S. You're always going to find in in any sort of opportunity you're looking at, like there's little pockets. You you need to think about pockets of opportunity as opposed to a collective whole and say Canada's better than the U.S. or value is better than growth. Um, it's, It's really not how we think about investing. We're always trying to uncover intrinsic value wherever it presents itself. Um, and then taking consideration of the dynamics in the overall market as well. So when markets are really expensive, that that will lead us to behave in a certain way. When markets are really cheap, it'll lead us to behave in a, in a certain way. Uh, we're always trying to hone our process and evolve and, and, and think about what the best opportunities are at any point in time um, and not necessarily sticking to any. You know, any particular discipline and saying I'll only buy stocks that look like this or I'll only buy these sectors and I'll never buy these sectors. It's, it's not the way we think about things. We're always trying to find those little opportunities to generate alpha for our clients.
0: Great. Um, you referenced uh, being trained by Bob Tattersall. Uh, uh, deep value investor, very, very well-known deep value investor here in Canada, Uh, also very well known for being a small or micro cap investor. Uh, I know that you incorporate uh, all caps uh, within your uh, Canadian equity portfolio. How do you think about that? How do you think about um, allocating to a large cap versus small versus mid uh, and then in, in portfolio construction as a whole?
1: Yeah, exactly. So you're absolutely right, Matt. It's one of the really kind of four key tenets of how we think about investing is we want to have exposure to small and mid cap names. And in Canada, you know, you're doing yourself a disservice by by not looking at those opportunities because it's a pretty limited landscape. And if you're only looking at larger companies, high quality companies, um, it's just it's kind of tough to build a diversified portfolio around that. So, you know, there's things that we're really attracted to about small caps. They tend to be a little less well known, a little less followed in the market. Um, And there tends therefore to be certain opportunities in smaller mid caps. So we're generally between about 20 and 40% in smaller mid-cap names. Uh, Right now we're about the midpoint of that. So call it about a third of of the portfolio. Diversified across sectors, so you know, alone small caps or mid caps in any sector. Certainly not afraid to uh, to go down cap anywhere. Um, And yeah, they're they're just interesting opportunities. Uh, But again, it really depends on where you are in the market cycle. So, I mentioned that range, that sort of twenty to forty percent range. And in a market like this, we've actually been pairing back our small and mid cap exposure. We actually started that months ago, just sort of pairing that back. Thinking about overall valuations in the market being expensive, difficult for us to find value, so that to us is a signal from a sentiment perspective that we're sort of towards the more euphoric and uh, optimistic and bullish sort of side of the of the investor psyche, um, and that for us is a signal to pare back some of that exposure. And you're seeing full value, you know, at that point we're seeing full value in large caps, small caps, you name it, across the board, everything felt overvalued. So we need to pare back. We got a little more defensive. Um, we took our weights up in the large caps, and uh, and that was sort of the signal. Right now, we're actually after this pretty dramatic sell off, and today's another weekday. We're seeing some incredible value, um, you know, in, in really across all sectors, but uh, certainly lots of value in in some of the industrials, some of the uh, consumer stocks, consumer discretionary is looking pretty cheap to us right now. So, um, so really, really interesting ideas. You know, as as uh, some people on on my team, Anthony Delvecchio, I work closely with Anthony, and he's always saying, "Oh, well, you always talk about timing," and and uh, and that's true. We have to get a few things right in our business. Obviously, stock selections of paramount importance. Our sector allocation is important. We also have to think about the timing, ground. And while while we're seeing pretty compelling value in some of these names right now, it, it does feel a little bit early, I would say. And, uh, and we're sort of biding our time a little bit and having to be patient.
0: Great. Um, we've referenced resource and the, the dominance of the energy sector in Canada a few times through this conversation. Um, mm-hmm. Certainly if we think about how energy has done um, sort of in over the midterm, it's been fairly strong. Even before the Russia-Ukraine war, we were mm-hmm. seeing a, a very nice uptick in, in energy accelerated by uh, that constriction of supply uh, because of the, the Russian-Ukraine war. Um, I I have two questions for you uh, on resources. One. How do you incorporate them within your overall portfolio because they're relying on a commodity price that is notoriously difficult to predict? Mm-hmm. And then, second of all, has to do with the outlook for energy, uh, this green transition that the world is uh is enduring or going through, and climate change being uh, such top priority. So, how do you incorporate that in valuing these these businesses?
1: Yeah. Yeah, for sure, and, and you know we've talked a lot about about what Canada looks like, and it's got this heavy commodity and, and sort of resource exposure. They're, you know, they're the hardest sectors to call. Really, they're they're so inherently difficult because you've got this underlying commodity price that really is the basis uh, for for all the decision making. It has to be almost by definition. Um, so it's a, they're challenging sectors, they're challenging stocks to get right. I would say, you know, we were talking earlier a little bit about our process, our philosophy, how we think about investing. Investors generally don't like to be constrained by anything. Uh, one of the things we do in our process is we we constrain ourselves um, by, by putting a constraint around what, what our sector weight should be. So we generally don't want to be any more than about 500 basis points, call it 5%, outside of the benchmark weight in any particular sector. So earlier I was talking about what you know the volatility really in that range of the energy weight in the TSX. But whatever that weight is in the TSX We generally don't want to be more than sort of five percent below or above that that weight. Um, So right now we're seventeen in the TSX, so we wouldn't want to be any less than twelve and any more than call it twenty two or so. Um, And right now we're about fourteen or so, so a little bit below benchmark, um, which is almost besides the point really to your question. But um, by putting that constraint on, we, you know, we're always going to have some exposure, and then it's up to us really to think about the mix within that. What does our mix look like in something like energy? Um, it's inherently, as you point out, difficult to call, different, difficult to call the commodity price itself. Um, but what do we need to do to generate alpha within our self imposed constraint um, within, within a really difficult sector to call? So and then we think about mix. And as we're talking about energy, you can think about things like pipelines, which tend to be more defensive, right. obviously, high dividend yields. You can think about the cap weight, which we've talked about. So, do you want to be smaller cap? Do you want to be larger cap? Um, Do you want to be in energy services at all, Um, which tend to be sort of more torquey and and higher beta really um, than what you'd see in in obviously large caps and things like that. So there's all these decisions that have to be made. Energy has been really difficult for a lot of investors. And I think you're seeing that in the energy performance today because a lot of investors were underweight. um, They were sort of Just just saying, I don't need to be in energy anymore. We're undergoing this energy transition. And yeah, maybe maybe in a year or two, it'll be a bullish place to be. But in the long run, we're all going to be zero energy. So let's not even bother going there. Let's think about tech or or whatever it may be. So a lot of investors are really chasing energy right now. And you pointed out supply. Um, Things like energy and, and commodities are just really driven by that sensitivity around supply and demand. Energy is a managed market. You know, you talk about OPEC and, and how supply is constrained, um, and they just turn the tap on and off, as, as most producers typically do. Um, and we're really just balancing that supply and demand. When you get an externality like COVID coming in, it can really upset the apple cart. And so sure. obviously we saw negative energy um, and just that volatility we've seen in energy over the last couple of years has been incredibly difficult to deal with. But coming off a seven-year bear market in energy, many people were generating alpha through that underweight um, and felt pretty comfortable with that. Uh, and now you're in a position where it's like, wait a second, I'm underweight. It's a smaller part of the benchmark, but you've got this supply-demand imbalance um, in favor of demand and obviously supply has been constrained. So a huge rebound in the commodity price. The companies have gone from generating negative free cash flow to lots of cash, um, really attractive free cash yields on the stocks balance sheets are clean. And so suddenly energy feels like a a pretty darn good place to be. Um, But coming back to something I talked about earlier, which is how we think about the euphoria or the pessimism around any particular sector, we've certainly seen a shift now in investor behavior with energy. Um, And they've gone from being extremely pessimistic and right through the bear market of energy to being pretty darn bullish about the outlook for energy. And so Again, we've been recently paring back our energy exposure and we're more underweight than we were three, four months ago, Um, just because we're happy to be selling into that strength, but we want to get the timing right. It's always difficult to get the timing perfect, but um, just be paring back that that exposure a little bit um, and being comfortable saying, okay, you know, some of these valuations are, if not extreme on today's commodity prices, what we do is we normalize for the commodity price and we say, okay. At uh, you know, for oil we use anywhere from seventy-five to eighty-five dollars, kind of normalized on the cost curve. And what do the valuations look like in that context?
0: Great. And then maybe uh, the second part of that question, which is the green energy transition, and how yeah. to contemplate this idea of the world trying to reduce the fossil fuel use in general. Um, when you're doing your business valuations, uh, traditionally it's a d- uh, discount model of some sort of cash flow metric. Um, how do you how do you think about that when you're looking at future cash flows in an industry that perhaps is in terminal decline? Now perhaps you disagree with that that thesis entirely.
1: Yeah. No, I wouldn't disagree with it. I think, you know, when you there's an aphorism in our business says a cure for high prices is high prices. So obviously with with what we're seeing today at the pump, I filled up my tank yesterday on on, on the way to a cycling event and uh it is painful. It's painful for everybody to be filling up your tank today. So you're you're seeing that scale back. There was an article in the journal the other day talking about how uh, consumers are cutting back on cigarette consumption because of the price they're paying for gas. I'm like, okay, if you're having to cut back on your cigarettes, which is a pretty difficult thing to do from what I understand, um, that's uh, probably telling you something. So um, in the short run, I think we're absolutely going to see some uh, some pullback on demand just because people are going to be scaling back and looking at alternatives to to the consumption individual consumption we had a meeting um, with a, a senior member of I'll, I'll just say one of the pipeline companies uh, not too long ago and they were talking about in the next five years they expect consumption to be coming down uh, in North American market so it struck me I'm thinking wow five years you know that, that, obviously that's not long from now uh, right. it's not too far away so um, just thinking about that dynamic, and and obviously, if we didn't have to face the supply chain issues today, um, if we didn't have issues around the availability of electric vehicles, and if the prices weren't so darn high, but if we get, you know, um, cheaper batteries and what have you, and and better offerings in that sense, I think anybody in the market to buy a car would be looking at buying an EV uh, today as opposed to an ICE vehicle. So. I think that dynamic will obviously continue to play out, and we'll just see this this sort of shift. And and if energy prices are as high as they are today, that shift might be more aggressive uh, in in the near term here. So, I think it's natural in terms of how we think about it. It's a little bit. I wouldn't say it's beyond our investment horizon because we absolutely need to be, you know, aware and and take into consideration sort of the longer term perspective on these. You won't expect things like a, any large oil sands project to be built anymore, I wouldn't say, it's, it's right. difficult to see, you know, although we probably could use one, um, not in the near term, but even in the longer term, you know, to see a, a, another large pipeline put in place given some of the sort of regulatory and, and social issues around that. So, right. um, we have sort of, we're facing a, you know, a pretty constrained supply picture here. Um, and then on the demand side, I think that'll just naturally sort of uh, start to fall and and you'll get that, uh, that balance sitting in
0: again. Perfect. Um, you had referenced, maybe this is where we can conclude to, uh, but you had referenced uh, earlier in the conversation pockets of opportunity and uh, not being so uh, uniform, like looking at a market in a uniform nature. Uh, where are you finding pockets of opportunity in the Canadian space right now from both a sort of sector and a cap uh, area?
1: Yeah. Uh, discretionaries, I think I mentioned this earlier, but discretionaries obviously, uh, has been a difficult place to be. We're seeing some really attractive valuations on the discretionary side, but it's a pretty small universe in uh, Canada. So not a, not a ton of opportunities there, not much diversity. Um, that'd be one area, uh, even industrial, some of the smaller cap industrials, smaller cap financials as well. Um, pretty interesting opportunities there. They've come off hard. So, um, it feels a little bit early, frankly, on some of those ideas, but, um, but I think they're they're setting up nicely. Um, other sectors, technology is interesting. It's come off so incredibly hard, right? Um, large cap and small cap. So tech is interesting to us. It's I, frankly, you know, as value sort of biased investors, it's not a, an area of expertise for us. We're not growth managers, so it's difficult for us to wrap our heads around valuation generally. Um, we take in, obviously have to take into consideration how much they've come off and, and what fair value might be for those names. But uh, it's an area where we've been spending more time, I would say, but we, we certainly haven't pulled the trigger on anything there yet.
0: Great. Well, Will, I appreciate you spending so much time with us talking about uh, how you view the portfolio in Canada as a whole. Thank you very much.
1: My pleasure, Matt. Anytime.